Welcome to The Art of Intimate Marriage with Dr. Jennifer Conzin. Sensitive yet frank advice for enjoying every benefit of one of God's most fundamental gifts. Dr. Conzin is a licensed marriage and family counselor, sex therapist, as well as an adjunct professor, award-winning researcher, author, and speaker. With today's conversation on the biblical approach to fulfilling intimacy in marriage, here's Jennifer. Good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Jennifer Conzin with The Art of Intimate Marriage. And we've covered all kinds of different topics. You can go back on my website, The Art of Intimate Marriage, and watch previous broadcasts. Today, we're going to talk about talking to your children about sex. This is such an important topic, so much so that in September, you can actually go online and buy a new book called Redeemed Sexuality. You can see some excerpts of it on our website, The Art of Intimate Marriage. And boy, such a need, right? How do we talk to our children about sex? And the first thing I want to remind you is that before you have a talk with your children about sex, let's talk about your views of sexuality first. Are they, well, first of all, do you know what they are? Do you know what the Bible teaches about sex? If you don't, you can go back and listen to a previous broadcast on what does the Bible say about sex. You can go by The Art of Intimate Marriage. It has a whole chapter on it, as does Redeemed Sexuality. What is the biblical view of sexuality? Do you know it? Well, before you have that talk with your children, you might have some review or learning that you need to do. So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about uh, typical sexual development for children. We're going to discuss today about how to have that talk and what what are some of the mm, challenging topics like pornography and same-sex attraction. And what are some of the negative events that people experience uh, during childhood and adolescence? And how do you talk with your children about those? And what's your response as a parent to exploration when they explore their bodies? Because, boy, they do. How to have those great conversations. So what is God's view of sexuality? Go back and listen. I'm just going to briefly say here that you want to always remember God is very sex positive. He wrote a whole entire book about sensuality and sexuality. It's the only, the Bible is the only world religion text that has a whole book devoted to sexuality. That's Song of Songs. So God prioritizes sexuality. So if you feel avoidance, like, oh, I really don't want to have that talk with my kid, you might need to relearn God's view of sexuality. God wants us to be intimately connected. He wants us to be guided in our sexuality by our knowledge of him. So go back, read those things, listen to those things. What are some scriptures about, okay, so if you're going to have this talk with your kids, what might be some scriptures that apply? Well, these are some principles that apply anyway. In Ephesians 6, 4, Paul clearly tells the men, fathers, don't exasperate your children. I do think that can apply to fathers and mothers. Don't exasperate your children. In other words, your kids might have views about sexuality you disagree with, especially today with what's going on in our culture, the discussions that teenagers have, that growing children have about sexuality. They might differ from you on their views sexually. It's super important that the tone with which you have conversations about sexuality is not exacerbating. In other words, if you say, 
oh, that's not true. That's not how it happens. Or anything else like that. You know, honey, that's not what the Bible says. Any kind of shut down the conversation response, your child, especially if they're older, will stop talking. If you want to have an open conversation, don't exasperate them. Also, we are called as women, it says, so the first scripture, right? That's about fathers. But what about mothers? Titus 2, 4 says, train the young women to love their husbands and children. Okay, I think this can also be applied to husbands to love their wives and their children, right? So these are principles. We need to be loving to our children in how we talk about sexuality. Ephesians 4, verse 15 says, speak the truth in love. Don't tell lies when you're discussing sex. Don't say if you touch your penis, it'll cause sexual problems when you're older. Well, okay. There's a grain of truth in the fact that, yes, sometimes people can become so attuned to their hand that by the time they're adults, they have a difficult time with erection. Yes. But that's somebody that's using compulsive masturbation, okay? You can't tell that to a kid who masturbates occasionally. They're, they're not, it's, it's not on the same category. And if you use these kind of shaming techniques, it's going to destroy your sex life for life. Eventually, they're going to figure out that's not actually the case. There's perfectly normal adults who have very enjoyable sexual lives who touched themselves and masturbated. So if we connect these negative phrases to and, and try to use these negative phrases to tell our children not to don't have sex because you're going to get pregnant when actually the majority of the time people don't, they're going to figure out somewhere along the line that if they have sex, there's ways to avoid pregnancy. So if you use kind of radical terms and you lie to your children, they're going to figure it out one day. Instead, you can have super honest conversations about masturbation and about how sex can lead to pregnancy and about how sex can lead to different diseases. It can, but often that's all kids hear is they hear you're going to get pregnant. It's going to mess up your sex life for life and you're going to get diseases. And it closes down the conversation if that's all a parent talks about. So watch how you speak. I love Ephesians 6 verse chapter 4 verse 15. Speak the truth in love. Tell them the truth, but do it in a loving way. Have an honest conversation about sexuality, not just about the negatives, but also about the positives. Sex in the Bible is very, very positive. So when you talk to your kids, it's going to be important that you give the full view of sexuality. I love Leviticus 19.17 that says, rebuke your neighbor frankly. All right, what does that have to do with our topic today? I love the word frankly. It means openly, directly, and honestly. So even if your child has been engaged in something sexually that you're very concerned about, they've been, you've caught them doing pornography, you might need to have a strong conversation. You might need to put some boundaries in life. There might need to be some consequences, right? But when you have that conversation, do it without exasperation, do it in love, do it frankly, directly, and honestly. Have those conversations, but watch the tone with which you have them. Psalm 139 says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. When your child 
is exploring their body. When your child might be bringing themselves to some level of sexual response, remember not to shame the body. We can direct our children how to use their body, how to respond to sexual sensations. We can help our children learn from the scriptures without tying it into, you should never touch there. That's bad. That's wrong. That would be a shaming response to the body itself. We don't want to end up with our kids thinking negatively about their penises and their vaginas and their breasts. Instead, we can teach that those parts of their body are actually to be treated with special honor. That's out of 1 Corinthians 12. These parts need to be treated with special honor and They are fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalm 139. Remind your children that their bodies are amazing. And then in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 13, super applicable to parents, it says, open wide your hearts. Parents, when you're talking to your children about sexuality, especially as they get older, they're going to need you to talk openly about your own life. This means that as they age, you're going to want to share in appropriate levels more details as they mature. If you have challenges in your background sexually at one point in their life, it's going to be vital that you open wide your heart and share your challenges. If you had insecurities about your maturing body when you were going through puberty, tell your kids that when you talk about puberty. If you sometimes think negative thoughts about your body, share it with your child. Open wide your heart. So these are just some scriptures that apply to how to discuss sexuality. Don't exasperate your kids. Treat them with love. Speak with love. Speak frankly, openly, directly. Make sure that when you talk about the body, it's with an honoring, fearful, wonderfully made version. And open wide your heart. Share age appropriately with your children as you talk about sexuality. Okay, we're going to look at some scriptures, but I want to remind you of something. What you don't want to do is use the Bible as a club. You don't want to use it to condemn your child. Don't pull up these different scriptures that we're going to talk about and say, see, this is what it says. Again, that really goes against all the scriptures we just talked about, which means speaking the truth in love. Before you pull out these scriptures, remember, first check your walk with God. Parents, how are you doing in your own relationship with God? This is vital. God is a parent. If you want to learn how to be a parent, go look. See the kind of parent he is. Go study in the Old Testament and the New Testament. There's a ton of scriptures on how God is a parent. Go be a parent like God. He's both a mother and a father. So adults, how's your walk with God? How's your understanding of God? How's your understanding of the scriptures? Make sure that's solid so that then when you have that talk with your kid about sex, it's full of your own understanding of how wonderful God is and how close you feel to God. How well do you yourself know God? Get that there. Work on that. And then when you have that talk, it's going to go much differently. It's going to go great. How are your own parents? How are your own sexual life choices going? If you don't have a great sexual relationship with your spouse, get the help. The best thing you can do isn't by having a good talk with your kids. The best thing that you can do is go and prove your marital sexual relationship. 
Go work on your marital sex relationship, and that talk's just going to go better. The best thing that you can do is keep your own life pure. Purity isn't just, I'm going to be pure until I'm married. We, we tend to think that way. Purity is for the unmarried. No, no, no. Purity is for life. So are, you know how is that going in your life as a married individual with your thoughts, with pornography, with your own pursuit of purity? How's that going? Get all those things on straight and the talk with your child is going to go much better. So before we go to a lot of the different scriptures that you might want to share with your child, which is more about purity... What I do want to discuss with you is what are some things you might be discussing with your child that are scary for them, things that they might have a difficult time telling you? Well, that has to do with the fact that parents sometimes have negative responses to typical things that kids do. Well, what are those typical things? Typical things that kids do is they show off their bodies. They strip their clothes off and they run around naked. Totally typical two, three, four-ish. They'll do it even later sometimes. Very common in young children. If they're doing it as they're getting older, it may be that you just haven't really taught them about modesty. And again, this has to do with 1 Corinthians 12. So here's a scripture for you. Go look at 1 Corinthians 12, that it says that the unpresentable parts are to be treated with special honor. Go and look at that scripture with your child and review how God wants us to treat the body. It's supposed to be treated with special honor. If your child does some early exploration where they're touching their genitals, just go and look at that scripture with them, even at a young age, and say, God made your body. Isn't your body amazing? And so God made these parts of your body. He made your vagina. Make sure to use that word. He made your penis. Make sure to use that word. God uses those God made those parts of your body. And how does he want us to treat them? It says in the scriptures, he wants us to treat them with honor, okay, with respect. And so they're not toys to play with. And so this is terminology that we always encourage parents, make sure to always have body positive comments when they explore themselves or when they strip clothes off of themselves and run around and you talk about modesty, make it a positive conversation. Your body's amazing. So covering it up isn't because you're ashamed of your body. It's because we're going to treat it with honor. And only when we're married do we expose our whole bodies to people or when we go see a doctor. This is how you'd have a conversation with a very young child. Children do commonly not only expose their own bodies, but they're also interested in other people's bodies. They touch each other. They they want to touch each other's penises and vaginas. They will sometimes young children will actually girls will put things into their vaginas. They're exploring. They play house. They play doctor. All kinds of different words. They explore each other's genitals. When they're really little, they're fascinated by toileting behaviors. They want to watch kids pee and. Uh, what's happening in the bathroom. If you uh, Parents will often ask, how long should I shower with my kid or how long should my kids take baths together? Well, children are fascinated by their parents' vaginas and penises. So this is normal. How you then deal with it and how you might then go once they start noticing your genitals, that might be when you decide not to take showers with them any longer or if they start really exploring each other's genitals, it might be a time to teach when they're taking baths that remember these are special parts of the body and they're not toys. So we that we treat them with honor and we don't touch each other's private areas. That's a very simple response. If they continue to do that, then 
you give separate baths. But again, not with a shaming response of you keep touching each other, so I'm not putting you in the bath anymore. That would be a super shaming response versus you just do it. You don't explain why. And then later you have a conversation about honoring each other's bodies. So yes, children very commonly touch each other. It's very typical for it to be same gendered, meaning girls touching girls and boys touching boys. I get parents that call and they're very worried. Oh my gosh, I think my child might end up becoming gay because number one, that's usually a response to homosexuality, to same-sex attraction that you might want to work through as a parent. But also it might be that you don't understand that that's common behavior in young children. As children mature and they come out of these early years and they're coming into the grade school years, these behaviors change usually quite radically because children start to become socially aware and they start realizing, oh, this is not what we do. People are noticing. So these are common, typical behaviors. We'll go over some of the concerning behaviors as children mature. But before we do that, I just want to take a moment to say, you might have a lot of questions, even what you've listened to in the last 15 or so minutes. You may have questions as you've listened to previous broadcasts. Send them to me. You can go on my website, The Art of Intimate Marriage. You can actually put the questions in there. You can send them to my email, jenniferconson at yahoo.com. That's my name at yahoo.com. You may need to go over this material slowly. You can. You can watch a video of my giving this talk that I'm doing today on my website. It's um, so you can watch it. You can also buy my book, The Art of Intimate Marriage. You can buy it on Amazon. You can go on my website, The Art of Intimate Marriage, and you'll find it there. You can also learn more about typical development in the book, Redeemed Sexuality, that will be coming out on Amazon in September. And that's for all other areas of sexuality outside of marital sex. So go ahead, get some support there. Go If this is a, um, a radio show that you're learning a lot from and you want others to learn, please go on our website. You'll find a link there to... Pr- to make a donation. This is a listener-supported ministry. We would love your support so that we can stay on the air. Go make a donation there. So lots of different supports. Go onto my website. You'll find all the links there. So let's go on. We know what the typical behaviors in childhood development are. When does it become problematic? Uh, Parents will call me. Moms, dads will call me. Uh, aunts, uncles, they'll call me and they'll say, this is what's happening. This is what my child's done. Is this normal? As children age, if they start where they are compulsively touching themselves and bringing themselves, uh, the term that people will use, I, t- I call it self-touch. Uh, you might use the word masturbation. If they are compulsively, continually through the day touching themselves, especially as they're coming into the puberty years, the prepubescent years, then you may start realizing that there's an issue that your child might need some help with. Usually when sexuality is used that compulsively when they're young, it can be because they are using it for a source of comfort. It can be that they're a child that has a high level of anxiety. And so they're using those behaviors to calm themselves. It may not be a sexual issue. It may actually be an anxiety issue. So that's important. Some of the typical behaviors that happen between young children, either in grade school and definitely into the middle school years, are oral genital sex, 
if a young child is involved in touching their mouth to someone else's genitals, it may be because they've been exposed to pornography or to older children talking about it, or someone's done it to them. I get parents that become very concerned about, they think maybe their child has been sexually molested. And that's a valid question. Most behaviors are typical and are common and are not associated with sexual abuse. However, certain behaviors you go, hmm, could there be more going on? So if they're doing sexually aggressive behaviors early on, then you may want to consider that there might be something you need to explore. Um, the reason why we're talking about atypical behaviors, meaning the, the non-typical behaviors that children might engage in, is because this is what parents ask me, that they're concerned that their child may have been uh, violated in some way. So yes, oral genital contact, sexually seductive behaviors. If a child continues to insert objects into their anus or their vagina as they mature, coming into later uh, grade school, definitely into middle school, definitely a concern there. If they imitate or attempt intercourse during those early years, and then if any of their sexual behaviors become demanding or coercive, where they start to use threats or they're forceful or aggressive, then what you're looking at is definitely something's going on either in what they're being exposed to or what's happened to them. So those would be some of the concerning behaviors. In all of this, parents, your adult response is key. If your child has been violated in any way, your response is very important that you listen, that you give validity to. Sometimes parents are like, well, what did you do? And they tend to turn the tables back on the child. Instead, listen. But at the same time, parents can be super reactive where they get very fearful, especially if as a parent, even as I review some of the atypical behaviors. And, and if you listen to a previous podcast on sexual abuse, if that's your background, then you may be very reactive to anything happening sexually to your child. Be aware that if your own fears flood you when your child starts sharing what's happening or you find out things that your child might be doing, those fears might keep you from having that calm conversation that your child needs to have. If they've shared with you and your heart rate goes up and you need to take a break so that you can have a great conversation with them, take that break. Say, hey, mommy, daddy really wants to talk to you about this. Let me come back in about five minutes. Get that heart rate down. Talk to a friend. Pray and then come back into the conversation because you want to make sure that your response to their questions, to the things that they're going through, to the things that you found out they're doing is going well. So, parents, how do you actually have that talk with your children? When you sit down to explain how babies are made, how do you have that conversation? Well, it's important that you had a pre-conversation. We encourage parents, my husband and I do, in our book, The Art of Intimate Marriage, explains this in detail, that parents use very anatomically correct terms. Call the vagina the vagina, call the penis the penis, call the scrotum the scrotum, call the sexual parts of the body, the breasts, the breasts. Uh, people use all kinds of crazy terms. Let me let me just share some of the crazy terms that people use. They'll say, like crazy, some of them are probably the ones you've used. Pooty, cookie, foo-foo, hoo-hoo, popo, cooter, mucker, peach. This is girl parts, girly bits, front bum, flower, 
and various names like Mary, Susie, and Minnie. Breasts have names like num-nums and cha-chas and ta-tas and boobs and boobies and tee-tees, right? So those are some of the female words that you might be using. Boys, uh, you might be using for their penis words like weenus, ding-a-ling, winky, hot dog, tinkle, willy, wiener, dooney, guy stuff, and peter. The scrotum and testicles often get called things like nuts, jewels, the boys, the balls, knackers, rocks, gear, and cojones. Okay, parents, you might be laughing because you've heard them, you use them. Do you call their pinky finger by funny names? Do you call their nose by funny names? If you do, <laughs> it's going to cause body image problems. If Do you call their arm by funny names? No. When we call sexual body parts by these kinds of terms, it actually gives the idea that it's just not a normal part of the body and we can't call it by its name. Use the actual anatomical name when you're explaining to your children how their bodies are made. That's a conversation that should occur, and in my professional opinion, and even as a parent, it should occur early. Three, four years old would be a general recommendation. Sit down and explain to your child the parts of their body and the, and the parts of, if they're a boy, a girl's body. For a boy, the parts of a girl's body. These are just what they're called. Then when they're older, we usually recommend somewhere around uh, first grade, a little bit younger, a little bit older, depending. Explain to them how babies are made. So this is where now they already know the body parts. And this is where you explain that the penis enters the vagina and that there's sperm that come from the penis and that during sex, when mommies and daddies have sex, yep, talking about mommies and daddies having sex, that when mommies and daddies have sex, the penis enters the vagina, the sperm enters the the female, and then it travels up to the egg, and the female has an egg, and when that sperm and that egg come together, sometimes a baby is created, and then you can go into that explanation. So parents often ask, should I say we have sex? Should I say mommy and daddy have sex? My input to you would be absolutely. You don't need to give details, but that this is what people do, including mommy and daddy. And then you go into explaining. We have a lot more to talk about in this subject. So we're going to have to do a part two on this. I kept telling you, I'm going to go over scriptures. We're going to do that in part two. We're going to have more um, information in part two on the other areas of talking to your child about sex. So tune in for part two next time. This is Dr. Jennifer Conson with The Art of Intimate Marriage. Thank you for joining us for The Art of Intimate Marriage. Now, let's be real. This is not a typical radio program, and we know it generates questions. If you have one you'd like Dr. Konzin to address here on air, email her at jenniferkonzin at yahoo.com. Konzin is spelled K-O-N-Z-E-N, jenniferkonzin at yahoo.com. We hope today's program was beneficial to you, and if you agree this unique voice should be on the air, your donations will help keep it there. To give or to get more information about the ministry, Dr. Kanzen's Center for Sexuality in San Diego, or to get more resources for improving intimacy in marriage, visit us on the web at theartofintimatemarriage.com. And for more on experiencing the marriage God designed, join us this same time next week for The Art of Intimate Marriage.